Welcome to the Active Training Team podcast, where we like to share ideas to start a conversation about safety leadership. My name's Adam Christopher, and I'm a director at Active Training Team. At ATT, we use film, live drama, and skills practice workshops to explore and debate behaviour in the world of safety, health, and well-being. My guest today, Steve Kerslake, has spent his whole working life in construction. He started window fitting in his teens, and he now runs his own company, providing a wide range of ground workers for all manner of construction projects. We invited him to attend EPIC, one of ATT's flagship programmes in central London, where participants witness an incident through site-specific live drama and film. And I had little doubts in my head, like, these actors, are they going to know how we speak on the ground? I know we didn't do it for a while, but it was bang on, absolutely bang on. And I would have said they were construction workers away from that. Steve cares deeply about health, safety and well-being and promoting its importance within the construction industry. I think that was brilliantly put with what you've done in terms of showing when the pressure comes from the top, people lose their lives. And that is the bread and butter of what we're talking about every day, really. In this podcast, I'm continuing my conversation about poor mental health and the high suicide rates within this industry. Steve understands more than anyone how easy it is to slip into negative thoughts when working in a high-demanding job. We know what it takes to to be digging holes at 7 o'clock on a winter morning and still be digging holes at 5 o'clock on a winter night. And we're the ones working through without the right waterproofs on and we're the ones literally in the trenches. It is as, as clear as that, really. I wanted to meet Steve to have a chat with him about how the construction industry needs to change to address these issues and hear his point of view about what he believes needs to be done. Steve's in that rarefied position of being able to drive change because he's the boss. He's the one who puts men out to work in sometimes really challenging conditions. We are the industry workers. We are them. These people are passionate about this. The people at the top have got to listen to us because... The guys on the ground respect us a lot more than they do them, I'm quite proud to say, but um, yeah, <laughs> open up your ears. But first, let's remind ourselves of the statistics. Regardless of your role in construction, the suicide rate is at least double and often higher than the suicide rates for males outside construction. It's a really quite shocking statistic and a really sad one to hear. That's Kerry McLeod from the leading mental health charity, Mind. And for every statistic, that is someone's life. That is a family who's lost someone close to them. That's people who've lost friends. And so we know that we need to do more to try and prevent deaths by suicide. I asked Kerry what she's thinking when she says a lot more needs to be done. From an employer perspective, it's what can we do about the nature of the industry, you know, the long hours, working away from home, being away from your support network, the the kind of financial stresses that go with that. And we know that at the moment there are additional financial stresses for everyone that are coming into play. And it's what can we as employers do to protect the well-being of the people who work for us. The more conversations I have about mental health, the more I realise that opening up is the first challenge in knowing how to address these issues. But I know that speaking up and being honest about how you're feeling can be really difficult. The sort of question around the macho culture that seems to still prevail in a lot of industries and construction is no exception, that does go hand in hand with a stigma around talking about mental health 
a sort of fear that if you speak to someone about your struggles, then you'll be labelled as someone with a mental illness. And that still comes with such a stigma attached. Steve Kerslake is trying to break that stigma. And it all comes from his personal experience. He's a prolific advocate of the importance of opening up about mental health. And he's talking from experience. In 2008, when he was 19 years old, Steve was a victim of a random acid attack. And his path to recovery was a complex one. Probably all my mental health issues that I had in the past and physical health issues all stemmed pretty much from lack of sleep, sleep fatigue. I had it through diagnosed with post-traumatic stress and I had literally, I was waking up at one o'clock every morning and I didn't sleep properly for a good few years. And then I realised that if I drink heavy or work my socks off, I would sleep well. The only way I could do it. And that was the answer. And then literally I was probably... I was in the self-destruct button outside of that bubble, but with my head I was sleeping and I just did not care. Steve developed ulcerative colitis. Something had to give and mentally I just accepted that I could get through this, but my body was like, I can't keep up in a way. And I lost my large intestine through ulcers of the stomach and I went through two years of operations and I had a bag attached to me through that period. But even in hospital, I laid there in a ward after post-operation and I wasn't getting any sleep. And after a few days, little things like a tap on the wall or a little noise, it literally hurt. And you, and it, you could feel it in your body. It made you go cold. You didn't think about it. Steve's deteriorating physical and mental health led to him having suicidal thoughts. And those experiences make him hugely empathetic to the struggles of other construction workers. He's vocal about what he sees as the failings of the industry, and in particular the HSE, or Health and Safety Executive, for vulnerable people. Although the HSC provides guidance for employers, which outlines their responsibilities for workers' mental as well as their physical well-being, Steve doesn't think that this is enough. Um, if you said mental health in construction, what are we being done? Collectively, nothing. And then and all these different companies and associations have all got their different ways. And there's no guidelines or any kind of method in place for us to all run this race together or collaborate, basically, collectively. And that could be nipped in the bud by the HSE putting legislation in place. And then we can all know that we can, like, this is what we need to be done. And the HSC have, say, spoken with real specialist people about what they're doing. Steve looks to work done by the British military as an example of good practice. All that research they've got into what PTSD in the military is and how, they've, how they're getting through it over the last 100 years, believe it or not, since they started researching it. That information's all there. We've got so much to learn from what their findings. Why can't we bring that with the specialist people, sit down with the HSC, these specialist people in these other industries that have nipped it in the bud to a certain degree, and then roll this program out into the construction sector where all the big companies and everyone below it, because it filtered down eventually, all knows, right, if we all buy into this and all collaborate with this framework, we're going to make some real differences here. Steve sees a lot of good intentions come to nothing because there's a lack of joined-up thinking. There's a real danger that initiatives are driven by people thinking, I'm going to fix this, instead of getting everybody to sit down and come up with a common policy that applies to every project. It's all just different races are being run and they've got a new campaign and they've got a new campaign, they've got a new way, they've, they're building a legacy, but these projects will build legacies for that project and guess what those projects finish and then guess what those people go to a new job and then it's right that was their legacy they start a new one now and then they start something different and it's just and that's why I think you see it now with mental health champions or buddies or ambassadors here and 
all these different names for people who are just ultimately just trying to do the same thing. It's like, well, I suppose in terms of a, a brand and marketing thing, that's completely wrong because he just conf- confuses me because I look at it all the time. We had Hinkley Point, that one just literally last weekend with this fatality. And online, it literally just says all these buddies are all coming together to do it. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we need specialist people. And so they're, they're dealing with a fatality there. They don't need people who have done a two-day course. They need people who are trained professionals who understand the trauma of what's just been witnessed by all those construction workers. I was going to ask you what what you would do if I gave you a magic wand or I put you in charge of mental health in construction. I would have this board at the very, very top of it. What literally we listen to and the laws there in place or legislations there and the guidelines are there, but it's chaired by serious professional people who understand trauma, psychological effects of the industry, but psychological effects of society as a whole. Just trained professionals, not construction people, really, because we don't know. We're just construction workers in the day. We just want to crack on. Steve speaks out frequently about the devastating effect on those who witness suicide on work sites, and he wants better support for them. Why can't every project above X amount of money, I suppose, by law, has to have a psychologist on site? I've seen them and they'd have a nurse here and there and some kind of welfare nurse. I've seen it at a few sites. It's fairly good. And it's, but in terms of actual like, just knowing that there's a trauma support team there for construction workers, all those guys need to come in. And whilst they're in and whilst they're having a bit of downtime, if they're being told they need to have it, they're fully paid, they, even though they're self-employed. And they don't literally get penalised for having time off to deal with their mental health. So like I say, if I sat in that room and all those people got around me and said, Steve, we're going to do, we're going to get behind what you can do. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah, it really would. Steve's been proposing his own solutions to try and improve workers' mental health and encourage them to talk and to listen to each other. He's running sporting initiatives through his charity, Construction Sport. It's inspired by his love of rugby and the realisation that men are more likely to open up during an activity or a post-game drink. Steve runs the charity alongside his own building firm. Construction Sport is a culture that we are trying to drive into the industry basically we're a charitable organization but we want to use sport as a conduit to pretty much addressing the mental health issues in the sector as well as attracting new people into the sector but we ultimately understand how bad the industry is with mental health and well-being and we ultimately know how good sport is for our mental health and well-being steve organizes sports events around the country like five-a-side football rugby matches and sponsored walks between sites and stadiums we can't be proved otherwise that what we're going to do won't work. Other industries, it works. Um, people give people in the police force, in the fire brigade, in the ambulance service, in the insurance world, banking world, they've all got organisations oversee sport to a certain degree. And there's nothing but bonuses and positives that come out of it for everybody, at every level, mentally, physically, and every, financially as well, because obviously it gets a lot of businesses excel when, when their staff are happy. And that's what we want to do. Steve wants companies to provide basic sports equipment on site for workers to to use, to to blow off steam, to run around, to have fun. It's like a playground at school in a way. We done it on a HS2. We did it. We took a couple of goals there and the boys just come over and just kick the ball. It's as simple as that. The guys in their tea break will grab a coffee, grab a chocolate bar and have a quick kick about. And I always say, when you play football like that and when you play rugby or whatever your sport is or your hobby is or interests, all the problems in the world disappear for a few minutes. And I always go back to the rugby scenario. When you've got someone who's about 50 stone about run at you and run over you, you suddenly forget about all the problems in your world. You, you worry about what's in front of you and <laughs> embrace yourself. But 
when people drop their guards like that and you forget about everything, it clears your head a little bit. It doesn't answer the problems. It doesn't solve everything, but it gives your mind a little bit of shut off. And then suddenly you go, and you go again, then you go again. So, whereas if you don't, it's work, 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 work. So if I gave you unlimited wealth to work purely on helping to resolve mental health in construction, what are the, the first things that you'd do? If we could build in some kind of strategy where we literally, companies have to, so a tender process, these big projects need to be seen to get in their, their people involved in not just sport, but in hobbies or interests or getting them doing stuff outside the work, stuff where they can literally just unload a bit of pressure off their shoulders. Because I've seen it firsthand from the first event we've ever done. You put on a big figure, you're a big tough man at, on the workplace and you go home for your family, you're a big tough man at home and you can't play rugby or football the weekends because you're looking after the family now. You've got nowhere to drop that weight. We can't drop that guard at all and that is a pressure cooker and that is what pops and people do the unlikely things. But not so unlikely thing, should we say? But if, if we could govern that and that could be changed, I think how, it would make a huge do, difference. How do you do that? Because you're going to have some people that say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you're not telling me what to do in my free time. Yeah, well, it can't be done in your free time. It's got to be done in the work time. And I've always said this, and I actually stress it to a lot of companies we work with. I want your guys, and we only try and do things Monday to Friday. Personally, I don't want to be doing things on the weekends with, with work because my own family commitments. But I think we've got to be able to build something in. And a lot of lads go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I'm not interested in that. But then guess what? You do it, you're still getting paid. They go, oh, happy days. We need to realise if we don't do this, people are keeping jumping off buildings. It's as simple as that. But it's about catering for everybody as well, isn't it? So it's about having some options out there that they can do. Play table tennis or table football or yeah. whatever. Why not just have only fools and horses in the, in the canteen? Something like that. Everything you go in there, you sit and you, and you look at the screen and they've just got the, the rules and regulations of the site on slideshows. You think, why not have a bit of comical TV? It's not going to cater for everybody in there, but you know it's going to affect the few people. Why not just do something what interacts with the guys and they can actually have a laugh? It is interesting because what we, we're talking about as well, doing something that blocks out for a moment in time the shit that might be hitting them. It's so simple. Why why are we really having these problems like into this depth? It's just communication that we just, it's basically, like, as I say, with construction sport, it's just as simple as having a kickabout because it starts that conversation, guards drop and you can, you can do it. How do you spot if someone might be struggling? The main thing, trust the relationships that these guys are in, in the van together. They're the ones who know, not a mental health champion or buddy or whatever you want to call it, or a mental health first aider who sits in the office all day or middle management elsewhere. The guy who can help, if it's not you, obviously even the first person who can help you is yourself. I said, but after that, it's these gangs of lads. So they're with each other day in, day out, and they know everything about each other. They're with each other more than they are their own miss their wives and kids. But when they get in the van at six o'clock in the morning, they know within seconds if there's something wrong. Through construction sport, Steve is creating an environment where support systems can flourish organically, where people can get some release from their everyday anxieties and, importantly, connect with the people they work with. Those guys on the ground are the ones that can make a difference because they see it so clearly day in, day out. But I think if you know someone's got issues on the company and you identify that, and then you actually help them and you go out your way for them for a short, short period of time or long period of time, whatever it's going to take, and then you get through it, 
that person won't want to leave your company if he knows he's been looked after in that way. And you've got above and beyond to make sure his finances are right or if he's, his family's got some treatment that he needed to pay for or these things. I've seen a few of these companies that when someone's gone cost, someone's family's in a real bad pickle here and the, and the employer's come up, doesn't matter, we'll sort this out. They've covered them. That you get, people will not leave your company when you do things like that. What's the very base level that one guy can do to another person? Buy him lunch on a Friday. Simple as that. That goes so far. Or drop into work and just take the guy some food down and just drop in with literally a sandwich and a drink, a cold drink, a coffee or something. And they're so thankful for it. And it goes, and they just know they don't get that treatment elsewhere. But if you just literally made sure all your guys in a respectable way, and respect goes two ways, are happy, but how much difference would that make? And, and what's going to make them happy? Fair pay? Good grub, good yeah. food. A pat on the back. A thank you, a <laughs> yeah. pat on the back. Yeah. Uh, fair hours. Basic human things, isn't it? <laughs> it's so easy. I get this and I, I, I get myself into a hole a lot of the time. I'm going, see, what are you preaching about? It's the most basic things in the world. This is what gives me the grit in my teeth. This is what upsets me. This is what prods me and puts a thorn in my side. And that ultimately is how you get the best out of me. <laughs> yeah, because okay. I, know, I know that I play better in rugby when I get smacked in the nose. And I think boxing yeah, is always yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've all got a plan until you get smacked in the face. But and then you can really, your inner self comes out. And then that's what I think I also like about construction sport is that I've got something to fight against here. I've got something to compete. And everything about it is right. Steve works hard promoting construction sport, but it's his passion project that he does in his spare time. You can't help but be impressed with his realistic and committed attitude to making it work. And I always say highs and lows. You've got to ride the rough and the smooths, rough and the smooths. And it goes back to literally two years ago, I'd done a panel and it was a real high for me. I thought I'd never been on a panel before. It's brilliant. And I got a phone call because the bailiff had come around my house because I don't pay him a congestion charge. I just ignored it and ignored it. And I come around with like 120 quid or something. And I, that to me was just like the pinnacle of highs and lows of life. Working on our ability to cope with these low moments is key to our survival. Sometimes when we're at the depths of despair, we don't always have a solution at our fingertips and we just have to put on a brave face. There's, there's always lows, no matter what. There always seems to be. And it's just about how you ride those lows. And, and in a way, that's when people just go signing out. And, and you always hear these stories about people who you never saw it coming. He had no problems. He had no financial issues. He had no marital problems, but he's just taken his life. And I know someone close to the, who'd done it three months ago and they can't put a finger, finger on why he done it. They're like, why did he do it? But what do we do? How does Steve cope with his low moments? I like hitting the treadmill. I like going for a run. I do 60 minutes on a treadmill. It's that's exercise, it. isn't it? Yeah. You kind of do switch off and it goes back yeah. to, to me saying about drinking drugs. Is that the way of switching off? Closing off. Having that but the, but there's another way of closing off, whether it's only fools and horses yeah. or whether it's treadmill, whether it's lifting weights. There's so much we can do in the workplace to do that. And, yeah. and there's stuff we can do in the workplace that stays healthy and safe. Yeah. Because in the old, old days, yeah. you go to the pub and have a couple of pints at lunchtime and come back to work. Yeah, 100%. Now, now we're saying, no, 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 no. But yeah. actually, why can't we have there's a couple of treadmills there in fairness to Tideway they did have that uh, the other place by Battersea Power Station we'd go there and do work and they had a wellness person there that was yeah, whose yeah. door was always open Kerry from Mind and Steve both agree that the need to encourage people to talk about how they're feeling is as great as ever and you as the encourager need to listen 
we make it okay by talking about it more by asking about it more and i think that's quite a key thing you know just asking someone how they're doing and not judging the response is a really positive first step steve's done this loads of times and says it doesn't have to be awkward put in an open question and then sit back and then just don't say nothing and just let people talk because when they when someone needs to talk, they won't shut up. <laughs> but it's not a bad thing. Just let them go. Because and you can sit there going, the the, the release. It's almost a release, isn't it? And this release and relief as well. And then they just go and go and go. And then and then and then they go. Oh, I feel better for that, isn't they? And you always do, yeah. So I said washing it all off. Yeah. And then once they actually hear it out loud, they go, that "Ain't that bad, actually? Is it? God, that was tough in my head." For anyone that might be listening and they need someone to talk to and they believe they haven't, what do you suggest? Because obviously I'm thinking Samaritan's mind, all that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of um, helplines out there and they're great. But still, my one for me is speak to the man in the van with you. Speak to the man who's in your gang, the guys on the ground. But stick with it. You'll find someone site that you know you can speak to. Or it might be someone away from work. Again, go into that community that you enjoy and what you like and what your hobbies and interests. Find someone who's like-minded with you and then just offload a bit to them. And they pat you on the back and say, it's going to be all right to keep your head up. You'd be amazed how much better you feel just for the going, God, that wasn't as hard, was it? It's always everyone fears having that conflict with someone sometimes. And they're going to tell someone, you know you're about to tell them bad news and you don't want to say or tell them. But then you say, you tell them the bad news and they go, that's all right, all right. Pat on the back, keep, keep, keep your chin up. My dad don't speak six weeks ago. I was in a bit of a, say, I was in a bit of a low. They went, don't worry, son, you've been through tougher stuff. Crack on. <laughs> and that's what it needed. I went, yeah, he's right, he's right. <laughs> We're releasing this episode just before Christmas. It's not an easy time for everyone this year, perhaps more than many others. If you've got stuff on your mind, but don't feel there's anyone you can talk to, please phone the Samaritans helpline, which is open 24-7 on 116123. That's 116123 or visit mind.org.uk for more long-term advice. Huge thanks to Kerry McLeod from Mind and Stephen Kerslake for giving up their time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Kerry-Ann Dignam at ATT who introduced us to Steve, also to Sophie and Jane. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Active Training Team podcast. And wishing everybody a very happy Christmas. And our producer is Alexandra Quinn for Loftus Media. Thanks, Alex.